We want to remind our listeners that this program is for informational and educational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional veterinary medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The Animal Medical Center does not recommend or endorse any products or services advertised by SiriusXM. Welcome to Ask the Vet with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. This is the place to talk about your pets and get advice with a top veterinarian from the Animal Medical Center in NYC. Hear from the leading authorities on animals and give us a call to ask your questions. Now, here's your host, Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. Hi, everyone. I am so glad that you can join me today here on Ask the Vet. We're going to wind down 2022. This is our last show for the year. And as usual, I'm your host, Dr. Ann Hohenhaus, coming from the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center on the east side of Manhattan. I'm a board-certified veterinary oncologist and internal medicine specialist. And as many of you already know, I work as a senior veterinarian here at the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center the world's largest not-for-profit animal hospital. On today's show, we have a special guest, um, Catherine Coyne, who's president and chief executive officer of the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center. She's been our leader since 2010, and she is going to join us today to reflect on her tenure at the Animal Medical Center before she retires in just a few weeks at the end of 2022. Most recently, Kate has been spearheading the AMC's Gift of Love capital campaign to support the 37,000 square foot expansion and renovation of our more than 60 year old building. We're gonna cover some important pet health news and of course, as always, what's going on in the animal world. For 112 years, the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center has been keeping families together by providing the absolute best care for pets. One way we do that is I answer your questions about your pet's health on this program. So you can call and leave me a message and I'll answer your question on next month's Ask the Vet program. That toll-free number is 866-993-8267. And if you don't have a pen and paper to write it down now, I'll give it a couple more times later in the show. So during a break, you can run and get a pen or pencil to write it down. And now for the trending animal of the month. It's time for the internet's most talked about animal. At the Sedgwick County Zoo in Wichita, Kansas, a chimpanzee named Mahale recently gave birth to her third baby, Kuchiza, which means play in Swahili. Poor girl had to have an emergency C-section and the baby chimp was not breathing very well and went to the veterinary hospital to be observed by the zoo veterinarians. Mother Mahale was returned to her enclosure and soon after she was allowed to see the baby but only through a mesh screen until the zoo care team felt it was safe to reunite mother and baby. The zoo staff captured this video of the moment that Mikhail was finally able to hold her newborn son for the first time, and there was not a dry eye in the room. And I'm going to tell you, when you watch this video, you won't have a dry eye either. I'm like tearing up just talking about this. In the short video that was shared on the zoo's official social media platform, Mother Mikhail is seen entering the enclosure carrying her white blanket. Yes, even mothers sometimes need a comfort blanket. At first, she seems apprehensive, 
but then she notices movement and it's her son's tiny hand reaching out from under a blanket. Mihail instantly recognized that little hand belonged to her son and rushed into mom mode, picking the baby up and holding him tightly. One of Mihail's keepers can be heard in the background audibly crying and even applauding the new mother for doing a great job taking care of her baby. This is an absolute must-see video, which will make your day. Just Google Mother Chimp Reunites with Baby to watch the quick video. It's my pleasure to welcome today's special guest, my colleague, Kate Coyne. Kate is a seasoned healthcare executive and passionate animal advocate who served as president and chief executive officer of the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center since 2010. Under her leadership, AMC has more than doubled the number of patient visits to the hospital each year, making that number now nearly 60,000 on an annual basis. AMC is one of the busiest medical centers in the nation. Prior to joining AMC, Kate served as CEO of St. Barnabas Healthcare System, where she oversaw the strategic plan and operation of an acute care teaching hospital. She also served as CEO of Union Hospital in New Jersey, and she holds an MBA from NYU downtown. So, Kate, I am so glad that you could join me on today's Ask the Vet. Um, I, I haven't seen you in a while, so hey. it's good to see you here in your little Zoom box. Um, and I'm, I'm sad to say, well, maybe I'm not sad. Maybe I'm jealous. I think I'm jealous that you're getting to reach higher and uh, do fun things that you like to do. So we'll, we'll come back to that later on. But first, I want you to tell our listeners about the backstory of how you came to AMC, because this is a good one and worth telling. Well, thank you very much, Anne, for inviting me. And it is good to see you, even if it is in a Zoom box. I have been running around quite a bit at the end trying to collect myself and clean my office and get ready for this move, which is really bittersweet for me. I really feel that, um, you know, I've been at AMC all these years. It's become my family. I kind of know each and every doctor, each and every staff member. And I'd like to say I remember the name of all 60,000 animals, but I remember seeing all of them. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of an interesting way that I got here. And I must say initially that I wasn't really looking for work. I had just retired from Union Hospital and was on my way to Florida for the winter and to retire with my husband who had just also retired as a human cardiologist. When I got a call from a board member from St. Barnabas, it said, there's a board member that I happen to know pretty well at this Animal Medical Center in New York. They're looking for a new chief executive officer. And I said, yeah, that's great, but I'm not really looking to go back to work. He said, well, do me a favor, please. Just go and do the interview so that my favor bank has been fulfilled. So <laughs> I do go and I have the interview and I left the interview that day. And I said to my husband, I said, you know, I wish I had come really more prepared. I, I think I would have loved this job. And he said, well, too bad we're leaving for Florida tomorrow and we're leaving. Well, I got a call the next day from a uh, the chairman of the board, Mr. Liberman, and said, would you like to come and take a tour? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I came and I took the tour and I fell immediately in love with the Animal Medical Center and just had a feeling in my heart and my soul that this was going to be the place that I really needed to be. And so it all worked out. I came and started a couple months later 
And uh, it's become my home and my family for the past almost 13 years. So it is bittersweet that it's uh, time to move on, but uh, it'll remain in my, my heart and my soul forever. Well, I think that, you know, we're very happy uh, that you decided to come out of retirement um, and and do a little career shift in that instead of managing how many hospital beds do you need to fill, it's how many cages do you need to fill um, or how many cages do you need to add because we can fill, we seem to be able to fill up whatever you add to the hospital. Um, so some things about AMC are a lot like human health care. What, what would be your top couple? Well, you know, it was interesting when I came to AMC, I was very surprised to see how similar running an animal hospital and running a human hospital is. I mean, um, the drugs are the same, the cases are the same, the types of surgeries are the same, the equipment's very much the same. In fact, AMC had, in some cases, better equipment than I actually had at my last assignment. So it was pretty impressive. Uh, of course, it's uh, all done with four-legged people, so to speak, four-legged clients as opposed to two. Hey, we but got would, some birds here. They have two legs and, and a couple have, wings. And a couple wings, exactly. So there's many, many similarities, but there's also many differences. You know, the um, the amount of different species and the different types of animals that came through our door. I mean, basically in a human hospital, you just have humans coming through. At AMC, you have all types of species and animals different in, e in each breed coming through. So that was really one of the big differences. But I think one of the major differences that I saw, and I always say this to my dear colleagues on the human side, that if you could spend one day with me at the Animal Medical Center and see the level of care and compassion that's delivered to each and every animal and owner that comes through that door, I really do think it would change the way healthcare is delivered on the human side. I think you should add another C to that care and compassion, and that is creativity. So you you might not know this, but but I'm monitoring a turtle right now because the turtle fell and broke its shell. And yesterday, and I'm we have a CT scan showing the fracture of the turtle shell. And it was in yesterday to get its um, wound cleaned. And then it got a tegaderm bandage put on the outside of the turtle. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if tegaderm sticks to turtles. And so tegaderm is not a veterinary product. It's, it's a human product that if you had a surgery incision, it might be stuck to you. And so that's what I mean when I say it, it's it's care, compassion, and creativity. Because I, I never ever thought you could put a band aid on a turtle, but a tegaderm is just a really good band aid on the bottom of this poor turtle with a fractured shell. And so um, I am always in awe of my colleagues who figure out how to solve problems, solve medical and surgical problems when there's not a precedent for it, you know? So I, I love the creativity of AMC. Not that I don't like the caring and compassion, but I, I think the creativity is just astounding sometimes. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's amazing to me that I see how much they can manipulate pieces of equipment and surgical procedures and different ways of treating. Like you said, all of a sudden, will this Band-Aid work? And, and they figure out a way to do it. I remember a kitty that came in um, 
Remember, it was dressed up as a shark oftentimes. It needed cast. Yeah, yeah, both, yeah. That it needed it needed cast on both front paws, I think. And every time they would change the cast, they would change what the animal was. Sometimes she was a shark, sometimes she was a, a cow. But they made it so interesting and so much fun and so compassionate for the owner to see how well this little kitty was taken care of. They come they if it comes through our door, I always say if it could fit in a cab or fit in the elevator we'll find a way to take care of it. And I think that's what's impressed me so much over the years. Everything that came through that door, we were able to take care of. It was amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, it, 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 AMC is, is just a very, very unique place. So if you were going to describe Schwarzman Animal Medical Center to someone who doesn't know what we do or what the place looks like, how would you do that? You know, I think it would have to be able to see it to believe it, but to describe it, it really is a hospital, a major medical center uh, where you have everything that you would see in a human hospital in this animal medical center. Uh, the difference is, you know, and for me, when I got there, it was, you know, instead of beds, it was cages. Uh, instead of uh, two-legged clients or patients, it was four-legged. Um, I think you really can't describe it. You have to see it. It truly is what we always like to say and believe. It's really the Mayo Clinic for animals or the Cleveland Clinic for animals. Everything that we can do for humans, we can do, and sometimes even more so, for animals. So the, what, what did you, I remember my first trip to AMC vividly, and it was it was a very long time ago um and the place was really institutional looking the walls were kind of a bad 1960s yellow color and um it it was kind of grim it it doesn't it, it doesn't look like that as much now but what do you remember first coming into amc you know when i walked through the main lobby, there's this incredible tiling that's done that has all these beautiful animals done in titles. And I thought, you know what? It almost reminds me of a pediatric center because it's cheery now. Uh, it's very welcoming. This new project, the, the uh, expansion that you talked about early on, uh, will really make the institution just a, just a beautiful place to be and a beautiful place to work. But I think my first impression was coming in that people were happy to see me and willing to take each animal upstairs as quickly as possible, get them to where they needed to be treated. Uh, they always respected what I called the person at the end of the leash. And I think that really impressed me quite a bit. But to me, it was almost like working back in, in a, I used to work in a special care nursery and I knew that the baby was the most important thing I had to take care of, but I never forgot about the parent behind the isolate or the or the or the crib. And I think that's what impressed me most about AMC when I walked in is that there was the immediate care of the of the pet, the animal, but they never forgot the importance of the person holding the end of the leash, as I used to say. I think that that's one of the challenges for young veterinarians is that a lot of people become veterinarians because they like animals a lot more than people. And then they find out when they get into the profession that that actually every animal has a person attached to it. And, and that's it. That's a tough learning curve 
for people who are really animal motivated and oriented is that person on the other end of the leash. Sometimes there's multiple persons on the mm -hmm. other end of the leash that, that, um, you know, make our job a challenge because they care so much about the pet. Um, that, that, that is, that is certainly one of our big challenges, I think. So do, can you remember, like, what was the first day at AMC like? Well, the first day at the MCO, I was able to meet some of the doctors and some of the people, but I spent a lot of time my first day there on the second floor. And in fact, I think my staff would say over the years, I spent a little bit too much time on the second floor, but I loved being on the second floor where people would come into the emergency room or come in for their appointments. And I think my first impression, my first couple of days, I really wanted to see what it was like to work in an animal medical center. And so that's pretty much my first impression was how busy it was. I was, you know, all emergency rooms are busy, but our emergency room was swamped with people that really needed care. Um, we did go through some challenging times when I came. We were in a bit of a, a financial bind back then. Uh, but uh, right now, I think the Animal Medical Center is, especially with this $100 million campaign and the renovation of the building and the expansion, um, AMC can look forward to another 110 years of providing excellent care and education and research. The, the thing that I enjoyed also, not so much on the first day, but as I got more involved with AMC, was meeting with the interns and residents and seeing how important AMC was to the training um, and spreading these wonderfully trained interns and residents throughout the country to provide the best possible care. So it, that was pretty pretty impressive to me on the first couple of days I was there. I was at a meeting last week of of veterinary people from all over the country and several of them um described it was a very sociable group everyone was introducing everyone else and people would say when they learned i was from the animal medical center they would say oh you have the iconic internship um it, it was one of the first and uh, one that's trained an enormous number of interns and residents over the years um what about um what's really changed in the last 12 years what are the biggest changes that you've seen at amc i think the biggest changes is the uh increase huge increase in demand for veterinary care i mean our as you talked early on i think when i came we were looking at maybe twenty thousand visits per year or over doing over sixty thousand now so the demand for veterinary care has really increased um i think also the the level of care has gotten enormously advanced as well as each of the new procedures that come through on the human side we're able to to do on the human side. I think about um, you know being able to start up the interventional radiology program in 2010, which was incredibly uh, interesting for people on the human side to come and see what we do on the animal side and vice versa. I think the other changes that's a really a wonderful change is this new commitment and interest in One Health. You know, where we go with One Health, it's human and animals, what we can learn from each other. That was probably something that really just came to be in the past 10 years is this commitment to the One Health initiative. And I think AMC has been really at the forefront of doing that. 
think we did a couple of years ago, a program called Zubiquity, where we had veterinarians and still do have veterinarians and human doctors talk about the same diseases or cures or potential treatments of very much the same similar diseases that animals and people have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, our One Health Conference, which was just a couple weeks ago, um, you know, there have been good things out of the pandemic. And one good thing out of the pandemic for AMC was that the One Health Conference, instead of being one day, was an hour, a night, several nights in a row. And that expanded our um, attendance, I think, 10x. And it also opened it up to people who don't live in the New York metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. And so um, that One Health Conference has been very, uh, very much more successful on Zoom um, than it ever was local because we, anyone can attend that wants mm -hmm. to. Um, one thing that you were saying, and I, I need to go back to this, just every listener has not been to the Animal Medical Center. So when Kate talks about being on the second floor, the first floor of AMC has got a kind of an entrance check-in area. It's got radiation therapy and it doesn't have too much else. That's what's on the first floor. So the second floor is really where the heart and soul of the operation currently lives. And it's where the waiting room is for the emergency room, which is why Kate likes to go sit there and see what's coming in through the emergency room, which could be a lizard, a bird, a dog, a cat. Um, you know, occasionally some New Yorker decides they need a sheep in their apartment or something. And so we see chickens. We had a straight chicken one night. It was really cute. Uh, it got a good home. So the second floor is where really the majority of stuff goes on. And that's where the action really is. So when Kate talks about the second floor, what she's really saying is she liked to go and sit where the action was in the hospital. Exactly. And I don't know if you remember, Anne, but very early on when I came there, I think I started in March and somewhere in April, some staff member came up and says, can we bring this foal, this baby horse in tomorrow? And I said, well, I don't know. Do you do horses here? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do it. And I said, well, all right, I don't want to get fired on my first week bringing in an animal that we're not supposed to. But again, we said, well, if we can fit in the elevator, we'll bring it up. So they shipped up this baby horse, uh, this foal from South Jersey. They shipped it up with its mother and the, and they we transformed the parking lot, brought down uh, ultrasound machines and stretchers, and we had a horse trailer in there. We brought the foal upstairs. It had a atrial venous malformation, which meant that it needed to be stented. It came in with a tracheostomy in, but we were able to squeeze that little horse into the elevator and squeeze that little horse into the interventional radiology and the CAT scan. And at the end of the day, we were able to return that foal to its mom downstairs who had been whinnying and screaming all day long in this New York City parking lot, like, where is my baby? And sent them home cured. I mean, the horse would never race again because of the, the medical issues, but we saved it. And we were the only chance. In fact, one of our veterinarians knew the veterinarian down in, uh, in New Jersey, uh, I think it was at uh, Mid-Atlantic and called and said, is there anything you think you can do? Because we can't do anything more here for it at a major equine center. So the major equine center sent that horse, that baby horse up to us, and we were able to fix it and send back. That's probably one of my fondest and happiest memories. It was just one of those phenomenal days that uh, 
Well, it, it's, it speaks to my point on the creativity of the staff at the Animal exactly. Medical Center, that they could take what they knew, which was not that much about horses, and but they knew a lot about plugging up holes that needed to be plugged up um, yeah. and in, in interventional radiology. And so that was a way to help that horse, even though horses are really not our core business, but it's the only mm -hmm. horse that's been here in quite some time. Uh, the other thing I think is that it, that shows you why um, one health and comparative medicine are so important. Because if, you, if you're not doing that one health thing or looking at how other, other creatures are being treated, things don't move forward. Do you remember when the penguins came in from the zoo? The penguins come in often. And the reason that I know that it's not that I often see the penguins, but you can smell those things a mile away. <laughs> yeah. And so if you are in oncology, which is next door to CAT scan, you will be like, Ooh, I got a little whiff of bad fish here, which means there are penguins next door getting a CT scan. Um, and, you know, we had um, Dr. Martell and Dr. Spector on Ask the Vet, and they talked about fixing the shoulder and the tooth of the, oh, I think it was a jaguar. It was from, a jaguar. Yes, it from was. From a, a turtleback zoo in New Jersey. Um, so, what, again, examples of how we parlay our, our skills and collaborate with people who have skills in jaguars because the jaguar came with his own anesthesia team and his own his veterinarian from the zoo who directed that whole thing. Um, but they needed um, Dan and Django's expertise to skill. make exactly. that better. Yeah. Well, and like we said, if it can fit in the elevator, we'll we'll find a way to cure it. Fix it. it. It was really pretty too. Yeah, that was jaguar beautiful. was beautiful. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I wish our, actually it's on AMC's website. If you want to see the jaguar um, getting its tooth fixed, if you just go onto www.amcny.org and put in jaguar, um, you'll there's a photo essay of the Jaguar's day at AMC um, uh, on our website because it, it he's, was just so beautiful and his teeth are so big and so white um, and there we one of the cat's x-rays is in there the dental x-rays and the fang sticking out of the cat's mouth is only like one third of the whole tooth i was like dr martell why don't you just pull the tooth on the jaguar and he was like well take a look at the x-rays and it would have been a huge project to pull that tooth far easier to do a root canal fix it. well do you remember that very famous uh nypd dog bear yeah who had gotten kicked in the teeth in the subway and they brought that dog to us too and uh i think it was dr martell with one of our dentists that were able to put a titanium tooth yeah. back in and apparently you know without that tooth that dog couldn't work again and yeah. they had the big walk out you know when he finally came out of the hospital all of the dogs lined up outside amc and saluted bear coming out it was really quite impressive um, yeah well the police commissioner was there that day that's right right that's right oh yeah um, it was a big day it was a big yeah day. It, it there you know new york city there's the people that come here are are from 
every aspect of New York City's diversity. And, you know, so when Bear was here, the police commissioner came in and, but there, there are other times when, when there are actually bold-faced names sitting next to people who are not bold-faced names and everybody is commiserating because they're here because their pet's in the emergency room and it's it's quite um, a special place in oncology lots of times new clients are very nervous and the old clients are explaining to the new clients what's what's going to happen because somebody's you know sniffling away and, and yeah. feeling kind of bad so i think that um uh, it, it's not it's not just the compassion of the staff i think the compassion of the of the clients or our customers is really important too it's truly one of the most unique places i think in the world so most of our patients come from the new york city metropolitan area but we've got patients that come from other places um What's on your list? Uh, where have you met people from as you're uh, cruising well, through the second floor? Yeah, uh, people have come from Korea, from Australia, from all over Europe. I mean, some of them actually send their pets over in private planes to be treated. Um, I think, you know, we're pretty well known throughout the world as the place to come almost like uh, if, if it can if it can be fixed or treated, it can come to the animal medical center and get that care. Yeah, well, dentistry had a cat earlier this week that's flown up, I think, from the somewhere in the West Indies because mm -hmm. there wasn't adequate care yeah. uh, for that cat um, uh, in the West Indies. And it's here waiting for a biopsy to come back so we can uh, figure out what we're going to do. So what are you going to miss? Oh, I'm going to. Miss and if you say me, I. I've, well, Anne, you know I'm going to miss you. I mean, we, we, we've lived next to each other on the fourth floor for 12 years, but that's not the only reason I'll miss you. Uh, you've taken the greatest care of all of my uh, rescued cats in the world. Um, and uh, Elvis. I think the staff, I'm really going to miss the staff. I'm going to miss seeing all those hundreds of interns and residents graduate and go on to be the best veterinarians in the world, really. And I'm going to miss the animals. I mean, I really loved being able to, you know, on any day you could walk out of your office and be rejuvenated by just looking at an animal. So I'm going to miss that the most. But fortunately, I'm going to stay active on the board of trustees. So I'll still get to come and sit on the second floor, just in uh, a different capacity. Well, but but now with this big renovation, will you still be sitting on the second floor or will there some other place that you will be able to There'll sit? There'll be some brand new, beautiful places to sit. Our primary care uh, service will be located privately in a separate area on the third floor. Our ophthalmology will be separated in a beautiful area on the third floor. The surgical area, which I really can't sit in, but I can certainly go observe again, We'll have the entire seventh floor, five brand new, beautiful, state-of-the-art operating rooms, recovery rooms. Recovery room will be divided up for cats and dogs so that they don't have to be laying next to each other in the same cage uh, or next to each other in the same cages. Um, I'll, be, I'll be visiting almost every one of those new sites. So 
I'm very angry with the construction guys because last week you could peer through the door on the seventh floor and see that the seventh floor is has nothing in it. It is empty. It's construction guys, wires and lights hanging from the ceiling and a couple of support beams. And that's it. That is all there is. So today I was all excited thinking I might be able to see something. And I looked through the window. They built a false wall that blocks my view. Um, and these guys put up more fault. This place has got more false walls right now, hiding okay. stuff. No, it's all for safety. It's all for safety. But I'll, I'll tell you when it's ready to peek through, we'll be you'll be happy with what you're going to see. So we are almost out of time. Do you have one quick thing that you want to say before we have to sign off? No, just uh, thank you, everyone, for the most amazing 12 years of my life. It was the best job I had in my 27 professional years of, of, of health education and hospital management. I, I am so grateful that I got that call that one day to say, well, just go for the interview for me as a favor. I mean, it, it's been the highlight of my professional career. And uh, uh, the, the Animal Medical Center and its people truly live in my heart and have touched my soul over these years and I'll never let them go. Ah, what a great endings. Kate Coyne, AMC's CEO. Thanks so much for joining me here today on Ask the Vet. My privilege and everyone else at the Animal Medical Centers to work with you this last decade my, plus. My pleasure as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you have a question about your pet's health, just call and leave me a voicemail message on our toll-free number. I'll answer your question on next month's Ask the Vet. And that number is 866-993-8267. We're going to take a short break, but I'll be right back with animal news stories. So stay where you are. We want to remind our listeners that this program is for informational and educational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional veterinary medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The Animal Medical Center does not recommend or endorse any products or services advertised by SiriusXM. Now, more of your pet questions answered on Ask the Vet with Dr. Ann Hohenhouse. Call now with your pet questions on SiriusXM Stars. Welcome back to Ask the Vet here on SiriusXM. It's now time for this month's animal news. It's time for Animal Headlines, the biggest animal news from across the world. Our first story is an, contains an interesting fact that goldfish are highly intelligent. Not only do they have good memories, but they're among the smarter fish in the sea. According to research from Oxford University, goldfish have such impressive memories that they're often used as a common model for studying memory and learning in fish. Live science details that goldfish can navigate mazes, escape nets, and can be prompted to complete tasks with a variety of stimuli, including non-hazardous things like bubbles in their water or music. Some pet owners report their goldfish recognize them from other people, something that's also supported by the science of fish-on-fish -fish interactions. You can actually view an interesting video about the BBC's goldfish test by Googling Good News Network and put in goldfish memory test in the search bar. Now, here's a crazy story out of Kilgore, Texas. Local police said they apprehended a dog as a reckless driver who rammed a truck into two cars in a shopping parking lot. 
Somehow the dog set the owner's vehicle in motion while left alone waiting in the car. Big mistake right there. According to investigators, while his owners were shopping, the dog became antsy and bounced around in the cab of the truck, which set the truck in motion. One of the victims who witnessed the crash was absolutely shocked to see a dog behind the wheel. The dog was wearing a leash and investigators believe it got caught on the emergency brake and released it. And then this story got picked up all over the world. Kind of funny, maybe. Actually, I don't think it's that funny. This story teaches a new lesson about why you should never, ever leave your pet alone in the car. First, we always talk about heat stroke in the summer, and now you have to work up, worry about reckless driving. This dog should have taken lessons from the Subaru driving golden retrievers, which is yet another story that we'll talk about here sometime on Ask the Vet. And our third news story today is, seems like there's lots of feisty pets around the country. And this is another one that made headlines around the world. The Transportation Safety Administration staff at JFK's International Airport had quite a shock when they noticed an odd cat-shaped item in someone's luggage as it went through the x-ray machine. And when they opened up the suitcase, they were right, it was a real cute ginger cat inside a passenger's checked bag. Fortunately, the cat named Smelly was alive and well and unfazed as it had curled up inside the hard-shelled suitcase of a house guest. And so the cat snuck into the suitcase, the traveler zipped their suitcase shut and went to the airport, and Smelly was on his way to JFK. Fortunately, Smelly was found before he got on a long, unpleasant journey within the luggage hold of an airplane. And so pretty soon the family came and reclaimed Smelly at the airport and he was back home in time for dinner. Uh, I, I just saw a piece before I turned on to record that there was somebody's now found a dog in a suitcase going through the airport x-ray thing. So folks, it's travel time. Check your suitcase for pets that have decided to make a nest out of your luggage. Don't forget that holidays are happy times, but sometimes really hard if you've recently lost a pet. So I just like to share with you something from my colleague, Judith Harbour. She's AMC's veterinary social worker and was recently a guest on the Doggist podcast. And she talks about grieving the loss of a pet, how to get through heartbreak. So you can download that on any major podcast platform. And I think it'll be especially helpful to people this holiday season. Now I'd like to share some important pet health information with you about cancer in pets. This uh, November was uh, Cancer Pet Cancer Awareness Month. And while everyone is worried that their beloved pet might develop cancer, we can treat cancer in pets. And so here are the 10 warning signs that you wanna pay attention to. And if your pet has them, be sure to make a quick trip to the veterinarian. First, obviously, lumps and bumps. Second would be bad smell, um, abnormal discharge, something yucky coming out of your dog's eyes or nose, a scab or a sore on their body that doesn't heal, a pet that's losing weight when you don't have them on a diet. Actually, a pet that's losing weight on a diet is probably a sign of something bad too, because most of my clients can't get their pets to lose weight even when they're on a diet. 
Um, a change in appetite, eating more, eating less, coughing or difficulty breathing, uh, a pet that's really tired all the time, sleeping or hiding in the back of the closet or under the bed, increases in urination or lameness using only three of their four legs uh, or real extreme stiffness. Those would be things that should provoke an urgent trip to the veterinarian. Now, one more time, if you've got a pet health question, just call and leave me a message. It's that simple. And I'll answer your questions on next month's show. That number again is 866-993-8267. And let's take some questions from our email inbox. Okay, the first one from Rachel, we have an eight-year-old calico who suddenly stopped eating her wet food. Although she nibbles on her dry food, should I stop feeding her the wet food or perhaps try a different brands or flavor? So a cat that, that you haven't changed the food. So this is the food that, that the cat has been eating all along and all of a sudden stops eating it. I would be worried more about potential illness but you should check the label of the bag or box or can because sometimes pet food companies release a new formulation and those new formulations sometimes don't taste as good to the pet. So if, there's, if it's still the same old, same old pet food and the cat has stopped eating the wet food and is eating very little dry, I would be worried that this eight-year-old cal eight calico has an illness and should be evaluated by your veterinarian as soon as practically possible. So thanks, Rachel. And I hope that your cat is soon on the mend and it's nothing serious going on. The next one we have from Bill, our three-year-old Collie's nose always seems so dry. Is there anything I can use like aloe? So one thing to be sure to always do is before you use some human medication, check with your veterinarian because there are things that work fine in people and are just not safe in dogs. So aloe is safe and you could put aloe on a dry crusty nose, which is really a problem the, this time of year. So I, I got an email picture of a dog's nose just yesterday. But AMC's dermatologist, Dr. Messina, really prefers um, A and D ointment, A and D, which is vitamin A, vitamin D ointment. And you buy it at any drugstore. I'm sure you can buy it online at your favorite uh, online store. And that's what he recommends is the best for the nose of a dog. So uh, Bill, you know, click, click A and D ointment, and you should have your collie's nose much better. That's good to know because my German Shepherd has a really dry nose too. A and D ointment. Okay. Our next question is from Kim. Um, what's your take on the canine influenza vaccine? Should all dogs get vaccinated? So the vaccination guidelines for veterinarians uh, have those vaccines that are core, meaning all dogs should get them. Think rabies there. And those that are non-core. And those vaccines are based on the pet's lifestyle. So um, they are not recommended for every dog. However, right now I can tell you that there seems to be a canine influenza outbreak kind of in the Midwest of the United States. And so 
were I a dog owner where there is potentially an outbreak going on, I would probably have my dog vaccinated against uh, canine influenza. Because just like flu in people, canine flu can turn into pneumonia and you can get a really sick dog. Dogs that have a lifestyle that should get a canine influenza vaccine will be those dogs that frequent dog parks, dogs that board, maybe a show dog, because all of those dogs are coming into a lot in contact with a lot of stranger dogs who might give them the flu. But if you have, as we have many in New York, a little dog that lives on the 20th floor of a building and never goes out because it has wee-wee pads in the bathroom, that dog probably doesn't need a canine influenza vaccine. So the answer for, for the person who asked this question is check with your veterinarian about risks, but for some dogs, the flu vaccine is a really good idea. Um, and from Lindsay, my neighbor has the most adorable 18 month old golden retriever from a respected breeder. The breeder recommended that they not neuter the dog until he was at least two years old. Are there any health consequences associated from not neutering or spaying a pet at an earlier age? So I think that golden retrievers 18 months or 18 years are always adorable. Um, it, those golden retriever puppies are just as little fluff balls and are darling. So this is the when to spay, when to neuter is an area of great controversy in, in pet healthcare these days. And so in a male dog, I don't really have a big rush to neuter an 18 month old male dog. There's not a lot of health advantages to neutering early. And there may be some health disadvantages, meaning more orthopedic diseases from dogs who are neutered very early. So I, my last golden retriever puppy patient, I believe got neutered when it was 24 months old. And that dog has been very well um, with no issues its whole life. Um, there are some dogs, even larger dogs, that maybe you might wait a bit longer um, before you neuter them. Female dogs, though, so spaying a female dog is, is more fraught because there are health advantages to, to spaying early, and that would be a decreased risk of breast cancer in dogs. But, and, but spaying early may increase the risk of incontinence, um, maybe some orthopedic things as well. And so there are some publications that provide veterinarians with guidance. And so the most important thing is that you talk to your veterinarian about the optimal time for neutering your dog, which is going to be based on breed and size and any medical conditions that that dog has. But for this golden retriever, probably not a rush to have it neutered. And when we come back from our break, um, we will talk about news from the Animal Medical Center. We're back with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus on Ask the Vet. Welcome back to Ask the Vet here on Sirius XM. The Usdan Institute for Animal Health Education is a great source for pet parents, and I hope everyone is taking advantage of all the free health information that the Usdan Institute has to offer. First, we have a free pet health library 
the leading online user-friendly platform for pet health information. And we've just revised the landing page of our website for the USDAN Institute. And that makes that pet health library so much easier to access. The library is your A to Z guide for common health conditions, clinical signs, and wellness tips. The USDAN Institute website also contains a series of children's education guidelines, meaning things that you can do with your kids, um, lessons you can do, or if you're a teacher, you can absolutely use those free resources and ideas about how to teach children about animals in your classroom. We have how-to videos with step-by-step -step information about caring for your pets at home. Things like how to give fluids under the skin or how to give your cat a pill. If you sign up, you can get a free weekly newsletter from the USDAN Institute packed with timely pet health information and tips. The latest information on pet food recalls is also updated frequently on our USDAN website. I think probably the best thing that the USDAN Institute offers are free virtual monthly pet health events. And so we invite all kinds of experts from the Animal Medical Center and from other organizations to talk about ways that you can keep your pet healthy, feed your pet better. And if you can't make the live session, all these pet health events are archived on our website as well as the Animal Lovers Book Club videos. All you have to do to find them is log into amcny.org and put events in the search bar. Next week is a very special week. Um, not only are we celebrating Kate Coyne, AMC's CEO, uh, tenure at the Animal Medical Center at next week's Top Dog Gala. But next Wednesday night, the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center Book Club will host Dr. Renee Alsiraf. Dr. Alsiraf has been associated with the Animal Medical Center since she was a veterinary student, and she volunteered with us on oncology when she was a student. She did both an internship and a residency at AMC, and then has been practicing oncology in New Jersey, just across the river. But she's recently written a new book called Sit, Stay, and Heal, What Dogs Can Teach Us About Living Well. So Wednesday, December 14th at 6 p.m., she will be on Zoom, and you can hear her talk about her dogs. She always has boxers. And her book. Her registration is free and required because if you don't register, we don't know to who to send the link to Zoom to. And again, you can go to www.amcny.org and click on events. I wanna thank my very special guest today, Kate Coyne, and send out my thanks to all my listeners and callers. And to everyone who's downloaded the Ask Vet podcast, we appreciate your support. Don't forget to leave me a message with your pet health questions on our toll-free number. That number is 866-993-8267, and I'll look forward to answering your question on next month's show. Don't forget to check us out on social media, The Animal Medical Center on Facebook, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's AMCNY. Be sure to like and subscribe our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And everyone have a happy new year and I'll be back in 2023 
with the next Ask the Vet 